Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. Just over three years ago, retired Minnesota correctional officer Antonio Espinosa had to make a decision. The kind of decision one may only make once in a lifetime. His beloved best friend and partner had just been murdered by an inmate at the prison they both worked at. Antonio was faced with choosing hope or hate. He chose hope and art. With nothing but the drive to be the change and help others, Antonio brought in educational and cultural events to the staff and inmates of his former workplace, and then a program to showcase the artwork of those incarcerated. Art from the inside was born. As Antonio says, I'm just one person trying to make a change in our system. I want to help transform these men and help the community heal after the killing of my friend and fellow correctional officer, Joseph Gom. Art just happened to be the vehicle that brought us together to have these difficult conversations. Welcome, Antonio, and thank you for being the change. <laughs> thank you for having me on, Christine. You're welcome. Uh, I see you smiling. What are you smiling about? I just love the introduction, and I love your program's name, Be the Change, you know, so it has a lot to do with me and, and everybody in this world, you know. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you. And I want to tell you, last night I was prepping for a conversation, all right? And I heard this quote that a woman, I was at a Zoom, and, and she had said um, this quote by Vaclav Havel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's a former president of Czechoslovakia. Interesting. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, hope is an orientation of the heart. And I immediately got up, I was laying down and I wrote that down because I thought that is exactly what you did when you were faced with your grief and anger and probably a lot of hate. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, if you can take us back to that time you were faced with this decision and how you oriented your heart to hope. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's been, it's going on 2019. I was on vacation and my friend was uh, at work and that evening turned on the television for the news and got to hear that a correctional officer at Stillwater Prison was fatally wounded. And it was Joseph Gum. You know, I was like, wow, this is, it hit home, you know? Like, this is the first time this ever happened in the state of Minnesota, where I work at, too. And it hit me hard, you know? So I was calling in to see if I could go to work and to help out in any kind of form, shape, or way. And they said that they wanted to have everyone to come in the next day so we could have some grieving and have some uh, unity within our staff and members. And that's what I did. I was listening to everyone's, you know, 
arguing and being angry and everyone's fault, you know, blaming each other for certain things. And, and I was like, you know, I didn't want to fall into that trap. You know, I, I was angry, but I didn't want to move with that feeling because 1600 other men are going to feel the, the grunt of what happened. You know what I'm saying? Because of one person's actions. And uh, we still have a job to do that. You know, we still have 1600 other people that we have to serve and try to help them through their journey through incarceration and, and transformation in their lives. So that when they come out out of prison, they're better people, you know, it just wasn't what I was expecting. And so I, I channeled all my anger into something positive, you know, to try to do something positive to honor my friend's death and to try to create a, a bridge between the staff and, and the incarcerated people in the state of Minnesota, our community, how to bridge, how to, instead of being divided and bringing up walls, how can we learn from this experience, honor our friend and do something outside of the box that we've been doing all along and it hasn't been working, you know? We have to start thinking different ways how to serve people to find the transformation in them, try to find the humanity in people to try to help them through their process of healing. And I used art. <laughs> I used their art as the vehicle of the uncomfortable conversations of incarceration, like how you stated. <laughs> That's just incredible. It's like you downloaded this information. And I mean, that could have been many ways. It could have been a traditional way. It would have been to call in maybe a therapist or, you know, it could have been group counseling, it could, you know, many things, music, anything. What made you choose art? Okay, so everyone loves art and everyone appreciates artists and everyone appreciates the art that they do. Throughout the 19 and a half years that I worked there, every time... I'm in a different unit or whatever. I'm doing my rounds. I'm seeing people doing beading. I'm seeing people doing art, pencil, pen drawings. And I'm like, I'm amazed of how these incarcerated people have these talents, knowing that if they did, they had a better choice of what they did to get them in the situation that they are in, that they would be successful in, in society, you know what I'm saying? Given the opportunities, you know? And so throughout this process, I went to church and our pastor gave a powerful sermon and it was specifically for me. And uh, I was having this conversation with my high power and he was telling me, he was directing me, he was giving me steps to do something. And uh, I wasn't sure what it was, but I found that art was going to be the the piece where I could take it from inside the prison and take it outside of the prison walls and take it to our community and display it and have these conversations about incarcerated art. And people thought that the art was mine, but we had posters and diagrams of what this project was all about. And people started getting engaged and, and knowing more about incarceration and knowing more about the art and the art project and how can we help incarcerated people and I started seeing the humanity in people about incarceration and it just keeps them it stems like a tree you know from one thing to another from community people to victims wanting to have these conversations that's why I call it uncomfortable conversations about incarceration I was part of 
an uncomfortable conversation of incarceration because my friend was murdered there. So I'm, I'm a victim of incarceration. And like I said, I just use their art to have these you know, conversations with community people, churches, you know, legislators, uh, whoever I could get to try to create a change. The change, you need to change the way how we do things. We have to do a paradigm shifting in whatever we've been doing because this pandemic is, is, is telling us that we have to change the way how we used to do things because now we have to be more creative and, and think of how to be that change. And I believe that, you know, the steps were given to me by my father and, and I'm still working on it. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because what I hear you say is that it was art from the inside. So it was those who were incarcerated who were creating the art. But it sounds like not only did they receive a healing from it, but those who viewed the art, those who were on the outside also received a healing from that. Is that right? Oh, definitely. Most definitely. There's one of the uh, artists who's still incarcerated. And one of his statements was that if you like my art, you don't see me as the monster that you portray me to be. And I don't see you as the person that hates me like that. You know what I'm saying? So if you like my art, you must like something about me because, you know, we are all human and we all make mistakes. And I feel like we all criminals because we all do have done something that we, we never got caught or will get caught or whatever. But these people have unfortunately did things that got them to the situations where they're at and we have to try to find a way to find the humanity within people find the humanity within ourselves to help others not wait until something happens to one of your loved ones or friend or whatever to react we should be reacting now to try to help people who need the help that's right i've shared with you i have an uncle who has been incarcerated multiple times. And, you know, it comes out, it's an anger. And the second time, it, you know, he was assaulting a police officer, which, you know, you can't do, obviously. But it's that anger, that uncontrollable anger. Now, I think about if he had some training or work or a way to deal with his feelings that, you know, he wouldn't have fallen into that. And it just is like this default. You know, and here... I also wrote this down, this came to me, Antonio, was that in looking at it, you've given a voice to the voiceless. And what we often do is we, someone makes a mistake, right? Put them in prison and that's it. And then they're just forgotten, right? Yes. And not cared for. And this art allowing those incarcerated to have this voice. And I urge everyone, if you go to the website, it's artfromtheinsidemn.org. MN is for Minnesota. So artfromtheinsidemn.org. You can click on the artwork and read the stories and the inspiration behind the artwork. And this morning I found one, which was a, a necklace and it was a peregrine falcon by a human whose name is LL. And I was struck, first of all, that it was a peregrine falcon, which is a fierce hunter, but also a bird that is flying. And it was a beautiful metaphor. And LL, you know, you ask, what role does art play in your life? And they said, art is an escape from in here. And what inspires you to create? And they said, I'm inspired to create art and to try and make my mom happy. Right? Yeah. And then the transformation statement. 
that they wrote was transformation to me means changing who you are because of your life experiences. I have transformed into a person I never thought I would have to. The hopeful thing about transformation is that no matter what you become, you can always transform into something else. What a beautiful, incredibly insightful quote there that LL had. And it's not just LL. It's if you go and you read, it's all, all of the artists are having some sort of transformation. I'm going to ask you, what unexpected transformation did you receive by starting art from the inside, Antonio? You know, when I first started working there in 2002, it was a job for me. But then, you know, like as time went by, I was learning the industry. I was learning my purpose there at the job. And I always said that, you know, work without purpose is dead. You know what I'm saying? You don't have no purpose when you go to work to do something to help somebody else out. Then you're just doing it for for money or, or whatever, you know, to survive. But my purpose came when all of this really started with, with GAM. And prior to that, you know, I was doing stuff that was trying to help the incarcerated people by bringing outside community leaders into the institution and talk about cultures and stuff like that, like Black History Month, Native American Month, you know, stuff like that. And the men, they were loving it and they were understanding more about themselves and and other people's culture. When it comes down to my transformation to what I'm doing is I'm learning about myself more, about who I am and my purpose in life and why I'm here and why God moved me from New York, the South Bronx to the Midwest and for all this to happen for me to this conversation with you today about, you know, transformation within the incarcerated people in Minnesota and throughout the whole nation. You know, I think that we all need some sort of transformation in our lives, not just incarcerated people, but, you know, all of us need to figure out our purpose and work towards it or find something that will bring some satisfaction in your life to help somebody else out, not for ourselves. I'm hoping that a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, that it's generating some hope in people's lives and maybe Maybe. I'll never see it. You know, maybe I'll never see it, but I know that I try to do something positive to help other people try to create this vision for the people who want to become correctional officers and police officers that we're public servants, you know, that we try, we're here to serve the public and not to hurt the public, but we're here to help people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I see myself being that person to try to, to help others, you know, and especially those who are mm-hmm. in prison. They are people, they have done stuff to get themselves in the situation where they're at, but yeah. they still can do positive things while they're in prison and their transformation from prison to community. And then while they're in the community, to still help them try to find their way through incarceration because it's such a hard place. You know, once you leave prison, you're still like in prison because you can't get a job, you can't find a place to live. You know, that's right. Like I said, it's like a tree. It has so much. That's uh, right. Oh, there's so much I want to unpack here and go into. The one thing I will tell you that what transformed me in by meeting you and reading and seeing this art was understanding and bringing the humanity to it and my own views of an incarcerated person and how I see that. And you and I have also had a conversation before that if it's not just our own dumb luck that we didn't either one, get caught 
or two end up in our own incarcerated place. But there's many things that I have done. I know personally that could have put me in there, but I didn't get caught. And then I, I learned, but someone, a kid could do something just as silly as take their parents' car out for a joyride. And what could separate that human from having a life in prison or not could be one, their color. It could be their their situation, their wealth, right? The amount of money they have, neighborhood, all sorts of things that are, you know, socioeconomic things that we're born into. And so by seeing that and reading the words, you know, it really made me understand. But to grow up in this sheltered world. And then they have this view of what being incarcerated is and not knowing anyone and not understanding that. And this really bridged that gap for me, Antonio. And what I'm saying is like, so people can change their mind and see the humanity in others. There's ways to heal people who are incarcerated, that they have words to say. They are human beings that just took a different path. I think also redemption is yeah. redemption is, yeah. is huge in the conversation. You know, giving people an opportunity to redeem themselves and try to do do good and show that they learn from their mistakes and want to do something to help others and be successful leaders and, and community members of our society. But we have to be that change. We have to be those the people that yeah. group of people that want to give these people that opportunity to prove themselves. Yeah. You know, allowing people, forgiving people. Gosh, you know, I mean, we don't do a lot of that, do we? <laughs> no, I, I think that society looks at, you know, when you do something wrong is, okay, you did something wrong. You should be thrown in prison and we will forget about you. And then we'll make it even harder for you when you get out, you know, if you get out where you can't vote, you can't find a job, you can't live with, you know, with your spouse because they live in a certain area or, or whatever. I think that we need to change laws and we need to make some adjustments with the way how we live as human beings in, in this society, in this United States, to be better people and try to help people instead of condemning people for the rest of their lives. That's right. Because we've all done something. We've all done something that we've been ashamed of. And it's not to take away, I mean, the, you know, from people who have been harmed by others. But my goodness, what are we if we don't evolve? If we keep playing this and, keep, you know, because it's not helping, obviously, right? It's not helping and it's not changing anything. Nope. You know, we're just repeating everything. Look at, you know, how we are today with voting rights and, and everything else. It's, it's like re- history repeating itself. That's right. Uh, and we need to be better people to each other and and instead of fighting and let's just try to find solutions to help each other instead of you're wrong and I'm right and I'm better than you and this group is worse than mine and you know it also makes me think too Antonio that the wrong people are the ones being incarcerated possibly right when you look at this like that's a crime against humanity to take away voting rights that's a crime against humanity right we should all have the right we all created equal aren't we supposed to be you know, we all Americans, a person that's incarcerated doesn't mean that you're not American. You know what I'm saying? Right. And how are we going to help the American people to strive to be better? You know, all of us. Yeah. yeah. And for those lawmakers who are doing right now, underhanding and changing those laws to prevent people from voting, that's a crime against humanity. What are they doing? What punishment do they receive? 
and it's nothing. And it does. It, it has to change. I have hope well, for that. You mentioned before is your position, your position, yeah. money, power. It gives you the opportunities to do what you do. You know, saying if you're not in that class of, of people or statute, you are down here and you're worthless. That's right. There's a beautiful book by Isabel Wilkerson and it's called uh, Cast. And she goes into it, talking about it. And it's not just the racism of this country, but it's the caste system that was created. And that's what's happening right now that we're seeing in politics when people are trying to take voting rights and you know why those incarcerated can't vote. It's from the top of the caste system. They don't want to step down. So if you think you're sitting there and I don't know in your house and you know, you're middle class and you're white and you think that you have some sort of privilege or something, you do have privilege, but boy, you're not running the country. Trust me, there's about five people right now who's running our country and they don't want to ever step down ever. And so they're making those laws. So all of us stay in our places. That's what that's about, in my opinion. But <laughs> all right. So I digress. Antonio, you went in there to transform. You know, and I don't think that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you walked in there and it was just like, hey guys, we're going to make art and we're going to start healing. And that's how everything's going to be. I imagine you got some pushback. You know, I want to thank everyone that it was just like walking in and you brought some pencils and pens and paper and said, let's get started. Right. No, Tell no. me about that. The art was created there already. It was there. They do it every day in their cells and everything else. The, the idea of using art for healing and using the art as a vehicle to have conversations about how we could help each other through healing and learning about how to transform our feelings and our way of thinking. That's all that I started to see, you know what I'm saying? And yes, I did get pushed back. I got pushed back from the people I worked with, my coworkers. I was too friendly with the offenders. I was too nice to them. I wasn't the person that was supposed to be rigid and and where I was when I had to be, but when I didn't have to be, I was very kind and, and helpful and, and giving to these folks. I feel that, you know, it doesn't hurt me to be nice and kind to you. And maybe you may be nice and kind to me, you know what I'm saying? In a very dark area of life, you know, where people are incarcerated in isolation and in depression and mental illness, we need to try to figure out a different way how to approach people. And my way was to approach them in a, in a humane way. I went through my addictions when I was growing up, and I've been through my trials and tribulations, you know what I'm saying, that gave me the understanding of why I was there. And this is my, my opportunity to do something totally different where others has helped me in my journey in life. Why can I not use what I have myself to help other people? And a lot of people that I worked with didn't see that. And mm. it was hard, but I, I fought through it. I had to deal with the talks behind my back and the direct quotes and, and everything else. But today, you know, I'm retired and I'm still working, helping these incarcerated folks on the outside. And I'm still working and helping them on the inside. Were any of the correctional officers transformed by it? Were you able to see any of them maybe see your way? I believe that there's a lot of people in corrections as guards that are kind people and peer pressure, you know, keeps you aligned to what you're supposed to do, you know, where yeah. you're supposed to be. 
don't cross that that line. You know? That brotherhood, right? We're guards and they're the enemy, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think that we are all together in the same space to help each other. As much as I help them, I've learned from them. I learned that they are teachers. They, they could help others within the institutions and outside of it, you know what I'm saying? They possess so much goodness than what we perceive it to be mean. People who are incarcerated are people and they have feelings and they go through things and we go through things too. And sometimes, you know, you're trying to do something and you don't know how to express yourself. And the first thing that you, we, we all go for is anger and to hurt people. And there you go and you did something wrong. Or you're going outside and you're having a, a party and you're drinking and driving and you kill someone by accident. There you go. Or you're a cop and you shot someone by accident. There you go. You know, we all go through different things in our lives. Should we condemn these people all for the rest of their lives? I don't think so. I think that we should give them a chance for redemption. I think that we should try to find healing within the process. I think that we need to be kinder to each other. Yeah. Agree. Well, Antonio, where are you at now? You mentioned you're retired. And where are you with art from the inside? Like, what's going on? What new projects are you working on? How can we help? Oh, okay. Well, through my years of working incarceration, correction, let's say incarceration corrections, I um, was able to apply for a, a Bush fellowship. And I was named with 23 other people, 2021 Bush fellow, which these people see goodness in me to try to create large-scale change. And so they invested in me to try to create change. Like I said, I love your title of your podcast, Be the Change. What changes is being that rock and you throw it into the water and having a ripple effect because I'm not going to be able to do the whole entire change, but I'm going to have, I'm going to need so many different people throughout my journey to create this change in one small little area. And so Bush is investing in me and I am working on my second exhibition with their art. We are in a museum in Minnesota. Uh, first time ever in a museum, their art. The museum is called Museum of American Art. We also are going to be having something in March with the Museum of the Wiseman Museum. That's in the University of Minnesota. And I'm going to get in front of people to test them, to push them, to try to influence people for change. We need to try to figure out where we're at in our society and how can we do better? You know, saying how can the wardens do better? How can the commissioner do better? How can we as community people do better? You know, saying how the mayors could do better for our communities. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be in front of people. I'm doing art shows. Some of these shows, the proceeds go to the men. And we are working on trying to do a 10% sale to show reciprocity. And we are working with a children's hospital to see if we could give money to the children's hospital from the incarcerated people through this process to show that incarcerated people have a heart and they want to help the children of Minnesota. So the proceeds from, because I noticed on your website, you can buy art, right? Like there is pricing so you can buy it. The necklace that I was speaking of was beautiful, $400, right? And that art, does that money go to LL? 
Yes. And it was so not the, 400. The, I'm sorry. It was $800. And that yeah. piece was bought from a former warden who came to one of the shows and was, was impressed by the piece that he bought that piece. Okay, so the former warden bought that piece, but the money then goes into was a savings account for LL. So when LL gets out, or does LL have that ability to give it to his family? Or LL has the ability to do whatever he wants with it. Once the uh, exhibition is over with, then th- this money is going to be dispersed into the institutions, into the account. So you know, then they'll have the opportunity to send that money out to their family or whatever they want to do with it. But it's a way for them to see that they have worth. That That's amazing. Yes. So they don't have to wait until they get out. No, no. And it's not like it's taken. Like, I mean, I mean, most people, if you, if you don't know, watch the 13th, like it's on Netflix. Like if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Right. But understand that the system of incarceration is one step, but it started right after slavery. And then it was a way to incarcerate persons, to keep them enslaved and to use cheap labor. I mean, go watch the 13th and understand that. But what I'm trying to get to now is that most of those are incarcerated, are working every day. They're doing things They're making your bras and they're getting paid 10 cents a day, you know, like something ridiculous. And people like Victoria's Secret are making a fortune off of it. So this excites me. So LL got this $800. Well, he will be getting it once the show is over with and the money's dispersed. The reason why I think that this is also a great opportunity because when my friend Officer Gom was murdered, he was murdered in industry area where they had different trades for these men to yeah. learn, you know? Like wood shop wood in shop high school. And yeah. you know, metal and, you know, all kinds of different things. And he was murdered with a, a hammer. And so they, they took away all, all these different opportunities for the rest of the population. And they haven't been able to... Bring it back. Really going back. Like I said, this stems like a, a big tree. So this is like a, another way for them to try to earn a dollar through showing their art, talking about themselves, giving them a platform, trying to you know be the bridge between community and incarceration, trying to show people the humanity and people and, and how we could help others. Yeah, I just think it's wonderful and it's a way to have income. And also so many who are incarcerated get out. They have no place to stay. They have no place to go to, no home, nothing. And this is allowing to have at least some cash in pocket to also to have a sense of self-worth, like you said, to be able to provide for family while they're inside doing that time. Yes, It's just incredible, incredible. And so you're saying you want 10% is also going to go to charity for charitable yes. contribution exactly just the same way how they they're getting all of this you know attention and they're they're getting the opportunity to make a dollar off of their craft that they also are in the position of helping somebody else who needs help you know what I'm saying and they need to learn reciprocity you know they need to learn how yeah. to give back the same way how people are giving to them uh, they need to learn how to give back to society and, and to their family members and that's what we all need to do is just try to learn the basics about who we are and the basics yeah. of life and the basics of when someone's down, do you turn your back and walk away? Do you see an elderly person falls down and, and you walk right by her and don't help her up? No, yeah. you help you help that person up. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Regardless, you know, because you could you go through this when anyone who's raising kids sees this and, you know, you go through this and it's like, well, why should I do that? And it's like, if anything, you do it for yourself. You do it for yourself as a human because it's just be a a different world. 
Imagine if our CEOs really looked at it and said, you know, Jeff Bezos says, you know what? This is ridiculous. Like I'm a multi-billionaire over, you know, instead of like flying a rocket, like maybe I'm actually going to give back to the community and start paying fair wages, you know, and have a, a system for those who are incarcerated to come out and work for Amazon. I don't know. There's many ways of looking at it. I don't know, Antonio, <laughs> you know, but we got to keep trying, right? Yeah, and, and that's why I've always called it the uncomfortable conversations. Because this is an uncomfortable conversation to talk about incarceration, how to help people, you know, give up yourself and not expect yeah. nothing back. It's just uncomfortable. And we all yeah. expect something in return. And, you know, I believe that my gold or whatever I'm supposed to get will come to me when it's supposed to come to me. Maybe not, it might not come to me on this earth, it might come to me in a different way, some other time, some other place. Yeah, that's right. Amen. So we've come to the end of the show and I normally ask what keeps you going and keeps you being the change, but I want to switch it up because Antonio, I think that I want people to understand and listeners to hear is how they can be the change. So if someone's listening, if you have someone listening, you're talking to them right now, you know, we need to recruit more change makers like yourself, more people putting themselves out there to make a difference for this, this change that we all see that we know and we need. What would you say to them? How should someone answer the call? And why should they answer the call to help others? I would say be the change that you want to see. Meaning that, don't wait for somebody else to do what you think that they're supposed to do. If you see something that you need to do, that you could be positive and that you could be effective and you could be that person to create that ripple effect to try to change something, then get out of the ditch and get to go to the front lines and start figuring out your purpose. Life without purpose is dead. You know what I'm saying? And, and expecting other people to, to fight your battles is, is not it. You know what I'm saying? So if you see something that you could do to help someone else out and expect nothing in return, then do it. You know what I'm saying? And then you'll start to see who you really are and what you're really about. Yeah. Beautiful. And I would also go on to say that you will see your life change for the better by helping others. Yes. Yes. My life has changed so much by looking at these folks and looking at society and looking at what's going on in this world and, at least I'm doing something to try to bring a change. I'm not sitting back waiting for somebody else to change it for me. And change is hard. Change is not easy. But, you know, you have to stick with it and be persistent and have diligence and have a focus and, and move towards it. Yeah. And have no doubt that, like you said earlier, that stone that you throw into the water may be one stone, but it's that ripple effect that your movement is absolutely helping someone else. And to not give up, just do it. Well, Antonio, thank you. Where can we, I want to I get some love to you. Where can we donate? Where can people still buy art? Where can we find you? Go oh, on yeah. and yeah, advertise it all. Let's hear it. Well, like how you stated in the beginning, the name of the project is uh, Art From The Inside, mn.org. We're in Minnesota. Um, if you go to the website, there's a donation location where you could graciously donate some money to help this process with, what I'm doing and uh, helping incarcerated people. I help them while they're in prison and I help them when they're outside of the prison walls, trying to uh, help them with art supplies and try to give them avenues for them to try to find work and, and, and housing. And that's what I've been doing. 
Do you accept donations of art supplies? So if someone does have that, can they donate to you new art supplies? Well, yes, because we could use that art supplies on the outside. Anything that was supposed to go into the institution, then we would need money so that they could purchase whatever they need inside through their catalogs and everything else. <laughs> understand, understand. And is there art still for sale on artfromtheinside.org? Yes, we have some pieces still for sale. And it's, it's funny that, you know, this time around, it, it has a lot of Jesus in it. It has a lot of heart in it. It's very interesting to look at. And I hope people take the opportunity and time to check it out. Yes, please do. Please go take a look at the amazing art and also click on it. Click on the art and then you're going to see the story of the artist and what inspired them and the changes that they've gone through. There's also, I'm sorry, there's also a documentary, 30-minute documentary there that you can watch and you can see some of the artists and see me (laughs) through this process. So check it out. Absolutely. Artfromtheinsidemn.org. Well, Antonio, thank you so much. And and thank you for being the change. It's been a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for having me on, Christine. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.